I wanted to start tonight with a little story. I like starting with little stories. And this story is about a time in my life that was very precious. It was back in 1970, no, not 1973, it was 1983. 73 was my first son was born. But 83 was when I was ordained into the ministry. And I'll never forget that day because there was several ministers present. And one of which, you all are, are, know her, her name is Billy Brem. And I'll never forget as each one laid hands and prayed over us, she came and stood before me and she laid hands on me and began to pray. And she said these words. She looked directly into my eyes and she said, Never be discouraged. And I'll tell you, when words come from God, they penetrate your heart and they penetrate your soul. And you know that they have purpose so I knew those words had purpose for my life not just for that day but for my life and so I embraced them and took them to my heart even though I didn't understand how that was possible (laughs) never be discouraged because we we face lots of different things in this earth life don't we But I think what the Spirit of God was saying is don't allow a spirit of discouragement to work in your life. You know, that's only possible when we step out of our head and step into our heart. It's only possible when we step out of our own understanding, out of our reasoning, even out of our own will. And allow the will of God to take root in our lives. To allow the will of God to cause that desire that is His desire to rise up yet ever stronger. Amen? It's only possible when we start living out of our hearts. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. Never be discouraged. Hope thou in God. God is the God of all hope. Amen? And in Romans chapter 4, verses 18, we see Abraham. A picture of Abraham in a time when God had promised him some things, had spoken some things to his life. Have you ever had God spoken some things to your life? Have you ever seen things in the Word? That you're believing God for? Well, that's the place that Abraham was at. He and Sarah were believing God for the word of the Lord to come to pass in his life. That he would be what? The father of many nations. And so in the process of standing, you know, it took some time. And of course we know Abraham had opportunities. He got weary. But he continued on. Even when he missed it, he picked himself back up and he said, I believe against all natural hope. I believe in a supernatural hope. You know, there was no reason for him to hope any longer. Hope had departed because it was not physically possible 
Abraham and Sarah had passed the time that made God's word humanly possible. And there may be in your life that passing of time where there's things that are not humanly possible by your own hand or your flesh. But if God said it, He will bring it to pass. So against all natural hope, you can have a supernatural hope. A hope in God. I like the way one translation says it. It's in the NIV. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. You've heard of standing in the arena of faith? He was standing in the arena of hope. And hope is that blueprint that paints the picture. It's the blueprint. It's like uh, if you're playing basketball. It's the hoop. So that you can take your faith, which is the ball, and you have something to aim at. You aim your, your ball to the hoop. And you score. Amen? Well, that's how it is spiritually. You've got to take your hope and add your faith. And that's how it works. When everything says there's no way, I'm telling you, God will make a way. He will create one if he has to. Believing in hope is actually simply believing in God, the God of hope. You may not know how it's going to happen, but you know the who. You know the who, the God of hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of what? The Holy Spirit. So see, the Holy Spirit has a work there to work hope the God kind of hope in your heart. He will fill you, the scripture says. Fill you. That spirit, soul, and body. Fill you with hope in believing. Now, the New Living Translation says it this way. I believe that God, the source of hope. Do you all have that up there? The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because why? Because why? He's going to fill you with hope. He's going to fill you with joy. He's going to fill you with peace. Because when there's hope, there's joy, and there's peace. Why? Because you trust Him. That's another way to say, I have faith in God. I simply trust Him. Then it says you will overflow with confident hope. I love that word confident, don't you? You're confident. You're assured. It's a blessed assurance. You have hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now what I've learned is that as as I've walked with God, and I'm sure you've learned this too, through experience you learn that you can trust Him. Even when you can't trace His hand, You can trust his heart. You can trust him. Through walking with God, you learn that he really loves you. That you can depend on him. That he will take care of you. 
he will provide for you. That he'll bring you through that mountain experience. And he'll bring you through the valleys of Baca. The valleys of weeping. And in both places, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley, you're going to make it a spring. It's going to be a place of testimony where you're able to give out to others what you've received through those experiences. He will work. Now listen to me, church. He's going to work in your life. And when he works in your life, he's going to work good. He's going to work good. In the voice translation, Romans 8.28 reads this way. We are confident. Now there's that word again. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful. He'll make beauty out of ashes. He will orchestrate some things for you. Pastor Tom knows a lot about orchestration. Pastor Kimberly. How you have to have things come together. You have to have the rhythm. You have to have the strings. You have to have, am I speaking right? The key, keyboards, all these things have to come together to make um, harmony and melody. God knows how to orchestrate some things in your life. Things that you don't know how to orchestrate. He knows how to do it. And it says that everything will work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and when we accept his invitation to live according to his plan. That's surrender. Surrendering to God. Surrender. You know what? That fills me with hope. I don't know about you guys. But that just blesses me. Hope is a favorable, confident expectation of good. Do you have hope? Do you have a confident, favorable expectation of good in your life? I mean, you're expecting it. You're expecting it. Uh, Sabrina and Reuben, they've been expecting a baby, little Caden James. And they've been waiting for little Caden to come. And I'll tell you, last night, Caden was born. Hallelujah. Six pounds, one ounce, 20 inches long. He is so cute. But they were expectant. And they were, you know, they were something else. They were confident. They knew he was in there. They knew he was coming. You can be confident. You can be expectant. And you can have a favorable expectation of good. And it's like being pregnant. You carry that with you. You're pregnant in the realm of the spirit, in your heart. That seed has taken root. It's planted. It's germinated. It's producing. It's growing. You may not know how the seed grows. That's not your job. Your job is to plant the seed, water the seed, take care of the seed. Amen? And it will grow. So, the confident, favorable expectation of good is the reciprocal of hopelessness. And hopelessness comes to knock on our door, doesn't it? Now, remember, what are we talking about tonight? Never be discouraged. Hope thou in God. 
Romans 12, 12 shows us three things we're going to look at real quickly. It shows us, number one, I like the NIV translation. It says, be joyful in hope. One day I was sitting there in front of my computer and I was kind of being anxious about some things. You ever been there? How's this going to work? And I was feeling a little anxious and I looked up and I had this little card sitting there. It's been there forever. Forgot it was there. You know, things are there so long you don't even see them anymore. But the Lord drew my attention to it. And I saw the words, be joyful in hope. And I thought, what does that mean? Be joyful in hope. And I began to ask the Lord about that. And he began to show me when you're in hope, you're in a confident favorable expectation of good. And so what do you have on the inside of you? You have joy. Be joyful in hope. I was hoping for some things. I was believing for some things. But I needed to allow joy to arise in my heart because it's a fruit of it. It shows that I'm really in hope. And sometimes if we're not careful, our little self-talk will be saying some other things and it doesn't produce joy. You may think you're in hope, but you maybe are in presumption. So be joyful in hope. God's hope replaces anxiety with peace and joy. And I don't know about you, but I'm just to the place where my peace is so precious to me. I am going to protect it. I am going to pursue it. I tell you what, your peace, nothing is worth your peace. And so anxiety or fear or thoughts of doubt or thoughts of unbelief, Those are the things that the enemy comes to steal your hope. Secondly, in Romans 12.12, it says to be patient in affliction. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But, you know, think it not strange, this fiery trial that has come upon you. Because you know what? The same afflictions are among the brethren. People, the person sitting next to you tonight is dealing with things in their life. You're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, going into a trial, or in a trial. Amen? But God is so faithful. And the same afflictions are among the brethren, so we've got to encourage one another. You, You know, it's so tempting to look at somebody else and look at what's going on on the outside. You look at their pictures on Facebook. And you think, wow, that family's got it together. <laughs> I mean, now that's a perfect family. But it's not true. It's just a picture. You know, everybody faces things in this earth life. And we need to pray for one another, encourage one another. You're going to come out of that fiery trial. If you'll do the things that God says to do, you're going to come out of it, I tell you. And when you come out of it like God brings you out of it, you're not going to even smell like smoke. You're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're going to go through that fiery furnace. It's not going to touch you. It's not going to have the effect of the heat. Is not going to 
affect your life and be detrimental to you. You will not even experience what the world experiences in the same situation. Because why? God is with you in the fire. And he is going to bring you through. When I pass through, amen, the fiery furnace. Glory to God. So that brings us what? Hope. It brings us hope. Okay, let's look at the third thing. It talks about being faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. You know, prayer is our lifeline. It is truly our lifeline. If you were out in the ocean and you've been cast over uh, your cruise ship, you need a lifeline. Because if that ship keeps going, guess where you're going? And prayer is your lifeline. It's what you got to hold on to. So that when you come to the end of your rope, you look up and that's where there's more of God and less of you. And so, we've got to faithfully remain in communion in Him. The Holy Spirit will cue you. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be doing really good and all of a sudden a thought will come. You know, the enemy brings thoughts to you. Your own mind, things you watch on TV, people, conversations. And thoughts will come. And they will try to um, plant themselves in your thinking so that you meditate on them so that they become imaginations and then strongholds. But we need to do something with those thoughts. What do we do, church? And bring them into what? Yes. Into submission as to what God has said and not what the thought says. Not what the enemies tell you. Not what people tell you. Not what you... Tell yourself. And sometimes you need, as you're in communion with God, the Holy Spirit will cue you and say, Hey, wait a minute. Do you realize what you're thinking? That doesn't line up with my word. You need to make an adjustment. And so we make the adjustment, and that's part of what the Holy Spirit's work is in our life. He guides us. He leads us. He corrects us through the word. So that we can receive all that God has for us. Because why? We're positioned to do it. If I'm looking at you and you have something for me and you're going to toss it to me, I'm in position to receive it. But if I'm over here like this and you've got something for me and it's going to bless my life, say it's a million dollars. I'm looking this way. I can't see you. I'm not in position to receive it. I've got to turn around. I've got to say, here, I'm in position. Bring it on. (laughs) So we have to position ourselves. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to correct us, to guide us, to reprove us, to inspire us. Amen? Hallelujah. Going back to point two, I want to just elaborate just a little bit on um, patience, patience, patience in affliction. What are we talking about? Never being discouraged. I think sometimes people don't realize that Jesus said in this earth, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have trials. 
And so because they're not expecting it, it really knocks them off their feet. But if you know Jesus said that, you'll know that he said something else. He said, but be of what? Good cheer. Why? Because he's overcome it. And because he's overcome it, you've overcome it because you're in him. Patience has a work. It has a work. Now, um, I remember uh, having a stain, a stain on a piece of clothing that I really loved. And I wanted to be able to wear that piece of clothing again. And I had to find some of that uh, shout, and I put it on that piece of clothing. And, you know, I worked it in and washed it off and barely made a difference. So I thought, no, I'm not giving up. So I went back and put some more on there. Worked it in the material, washed it off. Mm, it was a little better, but mm, not, not so much. So I thought, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm going to put it back on again. So I put it on, but I let it sit there. And as I let it sit there, it began to work into the material. And as it worked into the material, it lifted the stain. And after a process of time, guess what? The stain was removed. But I had to do something. I had to employ patience and let patience have her perfect work so that I could be whole and entire and lacking nothing and having my blouse to wear again. Glory to God. You can learn so many spiritual things through natural applications, can't you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 3. I'm going to read a little more scripture to you tonight. Are you ready for that? It says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Faith has a work. And your labor of love. Love has a labor. Amen. And patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the sight of God, our Father. The NIV translation says it like this. We remember before God, our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor promoted by love, and your endurance, what? Inspired in hope. Hope will inspire you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Many things we need to hold on to. Whether we're walking through situations that have to do with our health, our family, our finances, work, I mean college, relationships, new career path, promotions, whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, we need to hold on to God's word and not lose our hope and keep our faith applied. In James 1, the voice translation is really good. So I want to have them put that up there, and I want us to read that. It says, don't run from tests and hardships. Really? (laughs) What does our flesh want to do? It wants to run when things get hard. We're not taught to endure as good soldiers. Everything that we live in society today is instant. I mean, if you have to wait three seconds for your Wi-Fi, you're frustrated. We're not trained to endure. But the scripture says, don't run from the test. 
The scripture says, don't run from hardships. Brothers and sisters, as difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. How is that? Because you'll find faith. You'll find the end of your faith when you come through it. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you what? Endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to be mature, complete, and wanting nothing. If you don't have all the wisdom you need for this, how many of you would agree we don't? It says, if you don't have all the wisdom you need for this journey, then all you have to do is ask God for it. And God will grant all that you need. He gives lavishly. And he never, ever scolds you for asking. Wisdom, as James understands it, is the ability to live life well and make good decisions. Wisdom doesn't come from old age or hard knocks. Wisdom begins with knowing and depending absolutely on God who is never stingy when it comes to wisdom for those who seek it. He supplies all the wisdom we need when we do what? Ask. But when we try to go it alone without God, guess what's around the corner? Troubles around the corner verse 6 says the key is that your request be anchored in your single minded commitment to God those who depend only on their own judgment are like those lost on the seas carried away by any wave or picked up by any wind those adrift on their own wisdom wow That'll make you sober-minded. I don't want to be adrift on my own wisdom. The Lord will rescue and bring them anything. I love that. The Message Bible says this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Your faith life will show the strength that you have. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in the day of adversity. When the day that your faith is being challenged. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. He'll get his help. You'll get his help 
and won't be condescended to when asked for it. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. You know, people who worry their prayers, they're like the wind that's whipped in the waves. They're tossed to and fro. They're not stable. They're adrift. We've got to seek to be stable. Pastor Brenda just ministered an awesome message about that um, a couple Wednesday Sunday nights ago. You might want to pick that up. Stability is so important. It's so important to our hope. In, in Hebrews, we, we see in chapter 6, verse 19, that we have this hope. This hope that we have, it's like an anchor to our soul. It anchors our soul so that we can be firm. We can be secure. Now, the definitions of anchor is, an anchor is something that is used to achieve stability. It's used to weigh something down, again, to bring stability, so a vessel is not driven and tossed to and fro and destroyed. It's also a person, perhaps, that can provide stability and confidence in an otherwise certain time. And I know no other greater person than Jesus. I want to show you a little illustration. Do you all have that up there for me? Okay, we have this little illustration here of an anchor. And you see what happens as a, as a vessel comes in and lowers its anchor. You see, at first, it, it, it kind of grips part of the uh, ground, I guess you would say. And you have a little bit of stability there. But as it continues on, it digs a little deeper. See how it's starting to dig a little deeper in point two? And then as it goes down yet deeper, you get more rooted and more grounded. And yet in, ver- in uh, illustration number four there, we see that it's very deep. It's very rooted. So that makes you what? More secure. More anchored. Now we know the parable of the sower sows the word. We know that the enemy comes through cares, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things to try to steal our hope. And if you're not anchored in the word, then you don't get what the word says that you can have. Being anchored is so important. Now, in researching anchors, I found out that there's two different types of anchors. There's a temporary anchor, and there's a permanent anchor. Temporary anchors. There's different designs and different weights. And in temporary anchors, I was thinking so much about how people want to depend on things to anchor their soul and their life. Material things, things that they can see, touch, smell, taste, or hear. Those things, you know, they may temporarily anchor you, but they won't permanently anchor you. There's only one thing the Word of God that will anchor your life. It's like building your house on the rock. When the rains came, when the winds blew, when there was a seismos, that house stood. Why? Because it was built on the rock. It was stable. It was fixed. It was established. It was rooted. It was anchored. So no matter what happened, it wasn't going to go anywhere. We've got to have that permanent anchor in our hearts so that we can be fixed. 
You know, when you're stable in your inner man, what's going to come out of your mouth? Well, out of your, the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And when you're stable and you're rooted in the word, you're not going to have a forked tongue. Now, you know what a forked tongue is? It's a cultural term. And it means to deliberately say one thing and mean another. This phrase was adopted by Americans around the time of the revolution. And you know what I find? It's not enough just to confess the word. You've got to confess it with your mouth, but you've got to do something else. Faith has to be in two places. It's got to be in your heart and in your mouth. And so it's important to be able to anchor ourselves in our faith speaking from the abundance of the heart, not double-minded, not saying one thing, believing another, but fully persuaded, fully trusting in God, fully surrendered. Amen? Hallelujah. God is so good, folks. I'm thinking so much about Abraham and how did he remain faithful? How did he remain stable? Well, when you look at his life, you see that Abraham had a relationship with God. He was in covenant with him. He was a friend of God. He was a servant of God. He was totally obedient to God. And that's what it takes. You can do the same. Four practical steps you can do. Submit yourself to God because he's the source of your hope. Strengthen your faith. Strengthen it by feeding your faith and starving your doubts. Trust God's timing. Sometimes God's answers are like instant, and other times they are not. It's like putting the shouted out on the material. You've got to have patience and allow God to work in a situation. He's got to work in situations. He's got to work in people's hearts to bring things together in your behalf. And if you're not patient, you will abort the mission. You'll abort it with the words of your mouth. I mean, that's what really what Abraham did is he almost aborted the mission by getting involved in creating Ishmael. God is faithful and he'll bless, he'll bless, but you know, it's not God's best. And we want God's best, don't we? God's timing is always perfect. Remember, It's through faith and patience that Abraham received the promise. Here's another thing. Be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness, or to thank, comes from the same root word as the word think. So, thankfulness is thoughtfulness. To be grateful. To be mindful. When you are thankful for and focus on what you have instead of what you don't have, You know what? Your heart's going to be filled with thanksgiving. That's how you allow God's hope and encouragement and love to arise in your heart. That's where you find contentment. That's where you find happiness. If you're always searching for happiness in people and situations and material things, if you're always searching, you're going to be putting your happiness off for the future, aren't you? You know what? I say be happy now. 
Happiness is not a destination or one place that we arrive to. It's not. It's part of what we should be experiencing every day as we choose happiness. We choose contentment. Amen? We've got to learn to live in the moment and be happy now, Lord. Thank you. I'm not going to ever be discouraged that way. In closing, I'd like to say something to you about your life and your situations that is vitally important. David, going through the most difficult time in his life where he had lost everything, everything was against him, everyone was against him, he said something. He spoke to himself. Now, church, you're going to have to speak to yourself. Speak to the situation. Speak to the devil. And he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You can see hope on a person's countenance. It speaks. So, speak to yourself. Hope thou in God. I had a situation at my house this week. And I am remodeling a bathroom. And you know you have a certain amount that you set aside to do that time and money. And it always costs more money. And it always takes more time. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself frustrated, murmuring, hopeless, like, will this ever be done? Or how is this going to happen now? We're over the budget here. But I'm telling you, you just have to sit back and you have to just say, Lord, I don't know the how, but I know the who. Now, I wanted a certain sink. And I wanted it to be um, a rectangle sink and I wanted it a certain way. So when I had the um, countertop set up, the gentleman cut the countertop wrong and he cut, count, he cut it so it's not in the center, Pastor Tom. <laughs> all I got to think about you was cut to the side. And I'd gone all over researching for the right sink. I got the, the one I wanted, the bigger one. And I, I, that was the one I wanted. But I, I really still wasn't satisfied. It wasn't the size I wanted. But it was all I could find, so I got it. So I cut it off. So I didn't, I, you know, it was glued down, everything, you know. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? So finally, decided to address it. Okay, the countertop is not centered. And what are you going to do? You can't just pull it up and, you know. So I got this idea. What if we cut it bigger and tried to find a bigger sink? Is that even possible? Well, yeah, that would solve it. We could do that. We could, that would work. We could polish that stone right there. That would work. Called all around, still couldn't find anything any bigger. But this contractor had a connection and found a sink that was actually the perfect sink that I wanted, that I really, really wanted. And he went and bought it on his own dollar. And he's going to install it tomorrow. 
Now, there is a lesson that we'll preach in this message. Never, ever get discouraged. (laughs) Because God's got another way to bring it around. And I got exactly what I wanted, not what I was settling for. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, I was being persistent. You've got to be persistent. Because it would have been easy just, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything. No, it's not what I want. You've got to ask for what you want. Ask for what you need. You've got to ask God. And he will give it to you. Glory to God. Never be discouraged. Hope thou in God. There's always a way if you will stay true to your faith and hold on to your hope. God will create for you a big sink. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know.